Please be seated. It's my privilege. This is Gary Kessler, Sue Kessler. They're going to share with us now. We've prayed for them already several times. The prayer group has. We've prayed with you here with the children's message. But you know what? Nobody's prayed for these folks. And so we'll pray for our hearts now as we listen. Okay, let's pray. Father, I ask that you bless God's people here with open hearts and ears to receive the message that Gary and Sue bring. And move us, Lord, as well to see the mission that you would have us to be and to partner with Gary and Sue. And we do ask for your blessings upon Gary and Sue and all they do. And we ask these things boldly in the name of Jesus so that at the end of time when you come, there'll be as many people as can possibly be around your throne of grace and glory, celebrating the gift of eternal life in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's welcome the Kesslers. Well, good morning. And I know what you all are thinking right about now. You're probably thinking to yourselves, just who are these people? And why are they bothering us? No, we're just regular people. Yeah, yeah, we're nobody special. Um, my wife Sue was a preschool teacher, as has been said, and she worked in a children's museum. She's been all about children all her life. Myself, I've had a number of different jobs, the last 17 of which was just a semi-truck driver. We're living testimonies that anyone and everyone can be missionaries. Now, we're really pleased to be able to tell you more about Belize. And we know a little bit about that because Sue talked about it. <laughs> I, I, you see that little dot up there? It's, um, that's Belize. It's a big old wide world out there and we're just working in this little corner and it's called Belize. It uh, used to be called British Honduras and so it was a British colony and it's still part of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth of Nations, not the UK, but the Commonwealth. Uh, they speak English there, that's the national language. However, there are so many different cultures all packed in that little area. Belize is about the size of New Jersey, uh, so it's not a big place, but there's at least half a dozen major people groups speaking different languages, and so they all use English as a common language which they can talk about. All right, so now we're going to get to start to talk about what we've been doing and where we've been working. Uh, we've been there for the last six months. We were there as volunteer missionaries. We just returned March 12th, and then we started our, our uh, missionary training uh, down in St. Louis. Um, I, I guess we did an all right job the last six months because they asked us to come back, uh, this time for two years, and maybe a third year. So I'm going to pass it over now to Sue and let her start talking about her work. Good morning. We are your missionaries um, heading to Belize. The work we did um, when we were there, we left September 12th. We came back uh, March um, 12th. We left, yep, 
and we came here March 12th, and um, we got to work to go back on March 14th. So we've been hitting the ground running since then. While we were there, this area called Valley of Peace is a little village that was created by the Belizean government to bring in refugees and give them a place to call home. So this area, unlike the rest of Belize, which speaks English, the primary language there is Spanish. So um, the Synod has uh, a church and a preschool that is in the middle and the heart of this village, and that's where I worked. So um, I taught preschool there, bringing the love of Jesus to those children. We were not working in person um, uh, all together. We, we took the children on one by one. So um, this teacher here, she has been working with them since COVID started. And just like all of you know, uh, everybody's kind of doing stuff at home. But this village doesn't have technology to do work on a computer and get to know teachers and things like that. So she was bringing them in one by one, making packets, going over it, and then sending them home with another one. And then I would do the child the next day. And we would work together to teach. So um, we also we had the parent there, so they knew what was going on. But just like here, mom and dad were doing homework, or brothers and sisters or cousins were doing their homework. So she needed to see that they were doing some work on that with her, so that's why we made it an hour. Um, so I reinforced the work she was doing and, of course, enhanced it with the love of Jesus and the work that we had. I also had the job of teaching English as a second language to the whole village. So the children would all come in um, two days of the week, and I would teach them English. It was a primary language in the school they were going to go to, and because they've been sitting home for two years speaking Spanish in their homes, they weren't going to do so well at school. So we really needed to work on this, and we still continue to work on this. That community is um, primarily laborers, and we wanted the economy of the household to kind of blossom and grow, just like all of you want your children to do better than you. We wanted to equip those children to kind of move up and help that family in a better way with education. I also enhanced the work that we did with art. It was a great way um, and something new that they didn't have. And it was such a wonderful thing because people would walk, children would walk by and see that we were painting or doing things and they could come in. And because I wasn't a Belizean teacher, I was able to go with more than one child. They were able to come into my space, and I was able to teach them all the different art experiences that I knew and were working with at that children's museum. So God kept using the things that he's been pouring into me year after year. So uh, one of the things uh, Sue didn't tell you was um, her primary uh, role is to teach uh, the religious education to the children. Elba handles the academics and tries to prepare the children to go into kindergarten, but it is Sue that gets to tell them all about Jesus. And because she's not technically 
a school teacher as far as the government's concerned, she didn't have to abide by the government regulations, which said at that time due to COVID, one-on-one -on -one instruction was okay, but no more than one-on-one -on -one and a parent. Well, Sue didn't have to abide by that, and she didn't. In fact, the children came to find very quickly that she would leave her door open to her classroom and everyone was welcomed. And it, it was so much fun to see the children kind of walking by and they're looking, is the door open? Oh, the door is open and she would have 10, 12 kids in her classroom. Um, and everyone was welcome. Well, I'm gonna talk a little bit now about some of the work I'm doing. Uh, here's uh, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church that's on the same compound as um, the preschool. And uh, that's actually about halfway finished from the rehab work that we were doing. Um, that's kind of what we started a lot with. Um, there was, we have a, a little infrastructure already there in Belize, but it's very old and it hasn't been very well taken care of over the years. And so this is the kind of work I'm doing. Um, this is a look of the place inside kind of hard to see from that photograph, but that ceiling is kind of halfway falling down. Um, it, and that is the old platform like we would have here. Um, and it turned out that was totally rotten out underneath. We were going to shorten it by the, the, the sides a little bit. And when we got in there, uh, every, bit of, every bit of wood was just rotted out. So we had to take it all out took down all the ceiling, as you can see with this uh, photograph, uh, and we're building a brand new uh, raised platform and had to pretty much start from scratch. But this is just one of the jobs I did. I did a number of different jobs. And okay, now here we're finished and we can see that the, uh, the rafters are exposed. We're gonna leave them that way because it's, um, it, it really looks nice that way, actually. And uh, well, we do need to do some um, more insulation work. Uh, and not so much insulation for the heat, but for the sound. Uh, I mean to tell you, when it starts to rain out there, and you're inside that metal, uh, underneath that metal roof, it's like being inside a drum. It's, you can't even hear yourself think. So really what's needed is insulation for uh, soundproofing. Now this gentleman here, this gentleman is uh, Reverend Benjamin Flores. Um, Benjamin is what we call a, an alliance missionary. Uh, an alliance missionary is a missionary from another country that partners with the LCMS in their mission activities. Benjamin's from Bolivia. And uh, him and his wife, Karina, uh, live there and have for the last year and a half and will for at least one and a half more years. But Benjamin speaks fluent Spanish, of course, and that's primarily who we're reaching out to in the Valley of Peace. There's one more area I've been working, and that's in a town called Orange Walk. And so this is another building we I just finished rehabbing. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Huh? <laughs> the building used to be uh, an old woodworking shop, and it was laid vacant for almost 10 years. It was a derelict building. 
But it had pretty good bones. It was a sound structure. It just was in really bad shape. So we worked on it for about six weeks. And there's about halfway through, starting to look a little bit better. And then, done. And this is uh, the first service. Uh, we missed that. We came home before uh, the last week before they finished it up. And this was Palm Sunday service. And uh, this is Pastor Michael Waldauer. He's uh, one of the pastors I work with. And the one on the left is Pastor uh, Herb Birch. You know, we're really fortunate to work with a team of really fine pastors. And uh, so, we're, we're so we're so grateful for that. And there's the whole congregation. We invested in this building to uh, rehab it because the man on the left is a pastor, Roldan Rios. Uh, he's being trained uh, by the LCMS, going through what they call the colloquy program. It's a way that uh, pastors from other denominations can get their Lutheran credentials. And so uh, uh, Roldan's in the middle of doing that, but he's also started a house church. A house church that got so large that they couldn't fit him in, in his house anymore. And so um, that's why we did this building. So we're anxious to get back to see how that church is coming along. Life in Belize. Um, life in Belize is um, wonderful, but very primitive. Uh, they make houses out of whatever they can find. Um, the church itself, uh, helps in any way possible but um you can see the community is very uh, there might be like four or five families that live in that one house that's there and um they do have electricity and a water source which is wonderful uh, but a lot of other amenities um, have to be sought after this is our church in Sunbite. Sunbite is two and a half hours from where we're at, and we head there every other week with the pastors, and we do church service there. But um, we don't do it upstairs. We do have a, a congregant member that um, is in a wheelchair. Uh, Belize is filled with diabetes because the sugarcane fields are the number one source for farming in that area. And so with that diabetes comes lots of people with amputee issues. So this woman um, needs to come to church, and so we put the church down below. This is Marluce. She comes to that church. She has twin girls, and she lives in a container, like you'd see on the back of a truck or a train. And in that container, she's raising her two girls, and that's what's across the street as a garbage dump. Yeah, the girls have gotten sick quite a few times out of her and get her in another area. And those are the girls getting baptized. We were very, very blessed to be there for that, um, that time. And that's Pastor um, Herb Birch and his wife, Marky, that we work with there. So um, Pastor Wildauer works with us also. He has four children, and his wife, Robin, is there. And is works a lot in Sunbite, and while we're down there two and a half hours, we also do some work in Riversdale. So Pastor Wildar gets his guitar and walks through the village, and the children all follow behind and have a wonderful time singing with him. 
and we do a little Sunday school kind of thing. We have two picnic benches filled with children that are there on the beach, and he's able to tell them what God is doing for them and how he can be with them in their lives. So he teaches them about Jesus there, does games and stories and songs, and it's just a wonderful experience that we have with them every other week. All right, this is where we've been uh, actually living. 350 square feet of coziness, right? Um, and actually they added the front deck, and so that gave us about another 120 square feet. And that front deck became our living room, our office, our dining room, and the only place we had to live other than the bedroom. Uh, and the reason why we're showing you these pictures of, these, of this compound, there's a picture of our kitchen on the left, and a little friend that we found on the right. Uh, and the reason why we're talking about this so much is because I've been given an additional uh, job description when I get back. And that is I'm, uh, I have to be the coordinator of short-term teams that come to visit and help. And we're blessed to live on this compound that's um, called Camp Concordia. And that's a look at one of my projects. I have five projects waiting for me to return. And this is one of them, to do some more rehab work on that other building that was the dormitory. It's a 40-person bunkhouse that we can fit in there. Uh, hope not to have that many at one time, but you could put 40 people in there. This is a photograph of the dining hall that is also so we're all equipped to receive teams. There's a separate um, shower building and, uh, and some, a couple other outbuildings. So we're all set to receive you all if you want to send a team. Uh, and we're, that is in the works. That we hope to have uh, the first team come down maybe this Christmas time. Generally, we're going to be doing mostly VBS-type events and uh, mixing that in with ESL. You know, anybody can be an ESL coach. You don't have to have a degree to be an ESL coach. You just have to be able to speak English, which I think we're all pretty good at. And all you do is one-on-one -on -one with one of the children for a week, and you can't imagine how quickly they will pick up. So here's a story we just have to share. This is the little girl in this picture's name is Alicia, and that's her mom sitting there. And in her lap is Angel. Angel is nine years old, and that's her nephew. Uh, Alicia was coming to preschool and working with me, and I had a great time to talk to the parents um, and to build that communication with them. Um, there was some language barrier there, but we worked through it. And through time, I came to know that the aunt was taking care of Angel there. Angel has limited mobility. His head can move a little bit, a little bit of his hand. Um, a big difficult thing that's going on in Belize is the medical community does not service birthing babies very well there, and there is a lot of children that don't do well. Um, uh, during that birthing process there. And Angela is part of that where um, his neck was affected and so his mobility is very, very limited. So she carries him everywhere. 
uh, she puts him in her lap and she feeds him and she takes wonderful care of him. But um, after hearing that Angel was at home, I um, got Benjamin Flores, our pastor Benjamin Flores, and we went and did a home visit and visited them and see how Angel's doing. I've heard about you, wanted to make sure everything was okay, and she took care of him so well. He was pristine and, and very well cared for and gave me the greatest smile when I came in, but um, they needed something. <laughs> they needed a wheelchair. And here's the American coming in, going to tell you what you need, right? But um, I didn't do that. I just said, do you think? Think about it. I will work. Um, I may not get it, but if you think a wheelchair would help, I'll work on that. And never making a promise. And she thought it was a wonderful idea. We measured him. And now we have to find a wheelchair in a country filled with people where wheelchairs are a prized possession. And one of the blessings I have with my job is I travel all over the, the country looking for materials for the construction works that we are doing. There's not a Home Depot out there. Uh, there's a lot of little hardware stores uh, or lumber yards. And so I've had to become pretty good at finding things. So Sue says, we need a wheelchair for Angel. And I'm looking, and I'm looking. There are so many children, and there's so much diabetes, that wheelchairs are premium. They're just not there. We couldn't find one. And so one day I'm having lunch in Belize City with Pastor Roldan, who you saw in a previous photo. Um, we were doing some other business, and we were having lunch, and I said, you know, I'm trying to find a wheelchair, do you know? Anywhere I can find a wheelchair for a child, not just a regular wheelchair, but one that would fit a child with a spinal cord injury and the neck injury that Angel had. He said, well, let me tell you this. About five years ago, there was a ministry, uh, at that time it was called Calms, a ministry that used to come down and do a wheelchair ministry. And what they would do is they would take the measurements of everyone that needed one that we could find, and they would make sure that the wheelchairs fit that person perfectly. And they would take maybe a whole year, and then they would come back with the wheelchairs and distribute them. And he said, so the last time they did this, there was one wheelchair left, and it was for a child. And they kept calling the parents, your wheelchair is here. Come and, come and get your wheelchair. A year went by. No response. They call them again. No response. After a couple years, finally the parents said, you know, we're not going to need it after all. And so Roldan didn't know what to do. He stuck it in his garage and it's been collecting dust for the last three or four years. He said, if that'll fit, you can have that wheelchair. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows, from James 1, 17. That wheelchair was perfect. The wheels were right for the area that he lives in, because the road is all rocks and big boulders and something they call marrow, which is chunks that kind of come apart after time. Um, 
the head rest on each side was perfect for his head. There was a vest of Velcro attached that could strap him in and hold him tight very comfortably. Uh, there was even a pouch made of leather because that um, tropical climate does damage to material over time. So everything was perfect. We asked the family um, to come and we put Angel in the wheelchair. And for the first time in his life, he moved his, his body himself. You can see him reaching. He has a little mobility in his uh, one arm. And you can see him. He's got his hand on that wheel. And he's moving himself. And you can see his reaction. Now, I'm, I'm an old crusty German who drove truck all his life. And I look at that. And you know what's amazing? Is five years ago, God knew Angel was going to need a wheelchair. He just sent it down there a little early and rolled on, thought, I'm going to just keep it, see what happens. Perfect, perfect fit. So now the community sees Angel out, and along with my preschool um, teaching for years, I taught at Easter Seals for two years also, working with children just like Angel. So he was able to roll on over to the preschool, and I was able to start working with him. When I get back, I'm looking forward to getting him in the community, working with other children so that they can start seeing Angel as part of their community also. Uh, the whole area of Valley of Peace sees our church now as a church that cares. That's our new label. They just gave us that label because they saw that we helped make a difference for that child. We worked, and it's not about the actual physical thing, but the, the spiritual way in which we continue to feed that community that we care, that we want to offer what we can, because Jesus loves you and sent us there to make sure you feel that love. Yeah, there's Pastor Flores uh, praying over that church. All right, so as we said, it's a big, wide world out there, and we're blessed to be called into one little, one little part of it. Um, you know, I was reading Acts chapter 13. That's where the Apostle Paul is sent out on his very first uh, missionary journey. Missionaries love Acts. It's like, that's our book. That's what's happening. And... That chapter especially touches us because the church sends them. And they start out with prayer. And you've got a prayer group here in the morning that meets before service. I tell you what, that is amazing. That is so important. I urge all of you to, be, to participate with that because your prayers are the winds in our sails. We know it. Uh, we have a number of other stories that we could tell you. Invite you to join us for the Bible study hour, and um, stories where prayer makes such a difference. But we're also human beings, and we have to go there and live and stay in time. So we seek our partners, and we would like you to be one of our partners to, to join us in this journey. 
Um, sign up for our newsletter. It's on the table out there. Uh, take one of our, our cards that Sue was passing out. Stick that in your Bible as a bookmark. And when you do your daily devotions, just give us a little thought. It's so important. There's some information if you want to know more about us, and we have sheets out there as well. Uh, we're so grateful for the opportunity, and we pray that we can keep in touch and send you our monthly newsletter and keep you an idea of what's going on there. Thanks so much.